This episode of Inspiration Point is brought to you by the Quests and Chaos Podcast Network and the generous patrons over on patreon.com slash inspiration point. So we'd like to give a big shout out to Garlic Bread, Eric, and Spike. And at our Muse $20 level, we'd like to thank Prostaskis, Leroy, Kate, Jeremy, Jenna, Jacob, Falangor, Cheryl, A Bad Idea, Red Dead Coquette, and Robert Hans. Thank you for helping us bring a little inspiration out into the world. And now, on with the show. And we're back. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I've been doing a lot of theater lately um, on the on the box office front of house side. So I've, it's been fun getting back into like the swing of being, you know, part of the secrets of theater and yes, all of the like conversations that happen backstage where the patrons can't see or hear. Hopefully, <laughs> I love acting. It's something I I did a lot of in high school, um, and I uh, of course I do it for D and D, but you know, as far as like getting up and doing a performance, like it's been a minute. For yeah, sure. and there's something so special about that. About I mean, we we've talked about this about the 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 shot of adrenaline that happens as soon as the lights come up and you're in that world, and it's just there's nothing like it. Even even with no. like D and D and live streaming and stuff, it's similar, but it's different. Yeah, it's it, it's a memory, a semblance, maybe. Mm. Um, a taste, but yeah, there is something about being in costume on stage, audience is there, uh, lights are on, audio cues are happening, other actors are doing their thing, audience is reacting, yeah. um, especially if your character tells a joke and you get like a good laugh or you say something really emotional and you can hear them audibly gasping or something like that. Um, and I, I did the, the full gamut. Uh, I mean, uh, I did damn Yankees. And uh, arsenic and old lace, um, and I did comedy roles for those, and then um, then I on the dramatic end we did Shakespeare uh, a few different times, and uh, I did um, Doctor Faustus, um, and I I played Doctor Faustus, and uh, that's a beautifully meaty role too. Oh yeah, well I, I mean you're literally on every page, you know, and like I had lines on every page. So I was out there all the time doing stuff, and I I loved it, uh, but not a, not a very funny role, right? Wow. <laughs> so we but we had some strong emotional moments, and you know, creating those moments. There's just some magic about the stage that I, I miss so much. There truly is, and yeah, I want to get back into it. It's just such an enormous time commitment, and I already have several enormous time commitments. People already ask me, and when do you sleep exactly? <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know when you sleep. I assume that you don't. <laughs> uh, usually from about 2 a.m. to 10 a.m., because that's the, the way that my circadian rhythm falls. Sure. Un uh, unless I'm on a gig that requires me to be awake at, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning to be at work by 7, uh, I am very much the stay up very late at night, work on stuff when it's quiet, and then, you know, not get out of bed till 10 or 11. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, especially, uh, I mean, I have children and they, yeah, I don't want to, I can't do things when they're running around, right? Like, I can't think of anything important. Basically, basically, I can play games or I can clean, right? That's about all I can do. Yeah. Uh, so it's hard to think words and thoughts when there's constant chaos going on around you. Yeah, I I have a lot less of that because, I mean, I don't have children, but the neighborhood is uh, fairly lively during the day. And then, you know, there's just always stuff going on. People want my attention during the day. Uh, at night, there's one or two other people that I talk to regularly who might be awake at that time. And if they see me awake, they'll, they'll yell at me to go to, to go to bed. But otherwise people leave me alone. And well, and then if you, nice. have, if you have a roommate or parents or mm -hmm. visitors or, you know, there's any number of things or if your cat just decides it wants to have a conniption really quick. Uh, <laughs> the zoomies at 3am are my favorite. <laughs> Yeah, I used to think it was really cute to have the cats in the room with us and uh, having them run across my body 
at 3 a.m. I was like, oh, okay, well, this is less cute. Out we go. Yeah, I've gotten pretty good at yeeting them off of the bed and making it very clear that I do not put up with that. I have an industrial-sized spray bottle that hangs off the edge of my bed, so if they get too <laughs> uh, if they get too zoomy uh, in the room on top of me, they get sprayed and they take off downstairs. Right. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. I love that. Um, our, our our cat this morning jumped up onto our uh, dresser and stuck his head in, into a coca-cola cup i had um <laughs> you know so it has is kind of wide on top and kind of narrows as it goes down and i was like half full of water and he could like barely get anything so he was just sitting there like his whole head in the cup <laughs> just lapping up like not getting much done with each lap um <laughs> but it's stolen water so it's better it's better yeah yeah he's got a water bowl downstairs it's great no problem it's not the same it's not the same. Of course not. <laughs> uh, almost almost got a dog. Oh, uh, really? This week. Uh, yeah, I have a, a former student whose family breeds animals. In fact, that's where we got one of our cats from. And uh, they also breed corgis. I was going to say, was it a corgi? This only dog I want. It's the only one I'm interested in. Right? I mean, this is the correct choice. Yeah, it is the cat of dogs, right? They're and, wonderful. <laughs> and they're just... They're so good with children, and they're so just cute and lovely. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, anyway, they I, my old student, she shows me a picture, and I was like, that's a cute dog. It's <laughs> 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 like, I really don't have the money, time, or capacity for this, but I'm about force it. Uh, I'm about to make this happen, you know. Uh, so anyway, they wanted uh, about $1,200 for the dog. Whew, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. I mean. I get was, it, but it's a lot of money. Yeah. And, and I mean, they had, they are, they've given him all of his shots. He's paper trained and now they're indoor training him. Oh. So if you, I can get him shot up and trained, like it's worth some cash. Uh, plus, if I get the same dog at, like, you know, someone I don't know with, like, a pet store or something. Like, first of all, there's the whole puppy mill thing. Right. But then the other part is it's going to be, like, four times the cost, right? They're going to, like, that'll be four grand for this dog, mm -hmm. right? And it's like, oh, boy. When we picked up the cat, I, it was, like, I don't know, 200 bucks, you know? Like, <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I had no idea that the discrepancy was this high. Oh, yeah. You know, I guess cats are a dime a dozen compared to, to some dogs, at least. And Yeah, especially with, like, all the breeding requirements of uh, dogs and all of that sort of thing for, like, the breeds. There is some of that with cats. Mm -hmm. But there's so many feral cats and so many, like, crossbreedings that... You know, you can say there's a, you have a corgi or a pit bull or a German shepherd or True. whatever. Yeah. Um, my cats are all domestic short hair. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's more the more like exact description of what you're looking at as opposed to special dame. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, the the physical differences between like a bulldog and a German shepherd, I, it's like, is that the same animal? Right. <laughs> That's like nutty. But anyway, I offered to do a payment plan, but they didn't want to do it. So um, I I must wait. I must be be patient. I, uh, I I saw a cowboy bebop when I was younger. And uh, I saw it like when I was in high school. And it helped uh, nurse me back from a breakup. I don't know why. There was an episode. Actually, I do know why. There was an episode with Jet uh, catching up with an old flame in it. And it helped me kind of process some things. And uh, anyway, of course, on the ship, they have a dog. And the dog is a Welsh corgi named Ein. I love Ein. And uh, who doesn't? Who doesn't? He's literally the best character. Um, and so I've wanted an Ein of my, my own ever since. And this one had close to the same patterning, but it wasn't quite. Mm. Um, so I sent the breeder a picture of Ein. And I said, give me a one of these. <laughs> get get make that make the make of that 
Make that happen. Make that happen. She's like, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> that was a very kind response. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know they're not magicians. <laughs> you know. I don't know, man. The The way that breeders go about things is honestly a kind of magic to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I don't necessarily have a great connection for animals. Um, like, I'm not a druid, for sure. Uh, my wife's a druid. She, mm-hmm. she, that's how she classed. I took levels in bard and not very many. Um, <laughs> I'd argue that, but go on. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, but anyways, um, you know, we, we love our pets. Uh, they, they come with this hobby, I think, uh, in a lot of ways, because, well, like, first of all, who do you know that isn't like, who's not like into animals that's in this hobby? It's like. That's a hard, hard to find person. That's true. Even my friends who play TTRPGs who don't have animals still really love animals and yeah. only don't have animals because of various living situations or allergies or whatnot. Yeah. But I mean, on um, Quest and Chaos, there's like a whole channel for just like pets, right? Uh-huh. Like pet pictures. Um, oh, I, I insist on that in any server <laughs> that I have any control over. There is a, a, a place to just go and like scroll through cute pet pictures if I'm having a bad day. <laughs> right. I think that's great. It is great. entirely selfish. <laughs> oh, 100%. But I mean, everybody loves it. And like everybody, you know, no pun intended, but dog piles on to, uh, to add their pictures to the mix. And so many cat people mm-hmm. in, in, in the TTRPG space. I'm not sure why that is. Um, but now that I have cats, I'm like, good Lord, how do I get anything done? I'm just staring at them all the time. <laughs> they're so cute and they're smart and I love them. Yeah. Yeah. And you can always see their little wheels turning, mm-hmm. you know, and you're trying to, and you start like adding your own like personification to them and you start narrating. I was going to ask you right. if you like voice that what they're doing. My my wife narrates the crap out of them. I I'm pretty sure she has a direct link to their brains. That's um, so cute. Yeah, she literally casts speak with animals except for for them it's they're casting magic mouth. <laughs> through her. And they her. superimpose the magic mouth over hers. <laughs> That's right. And she's like I I'm, <laughs> I'm fine with this. This is great. Um I I willingly fail the save. <laughs> You know, that's that's how she rolls. So anyway, I think that um, pets give us they're one of the many things like like music and TV and all that good stuff. Uh, They give us a lot of inspiration um, and they help us uh, be creative and and kind of chill, you know, just kind of chill out uh, from the stress. It's like, man, I have all these worries in my life. But anyway, this cat is just more concerned of, you know, is there bird nearby? (laughs) <laughs> you know? Yeah, and it's just it just gives you a perspective. I feel, and my cats are really good at knowing when I'm having a rough time, and they will just come and like cat pile on top of me and just purr, mm. and it's it's the cutest thing. Uh, even when my chest is being crushed by my twenty plus <laughs> pound tabby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you, do you feel somewhat validated when they show you like affection? You're like this innocent creature likes me. So therefore, I must be okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, fairly fr- fairly frequently, and I push back on people who are like, "Oh, you know, you won't get the same affection from a cat as you do from a dog." I'm like, "You haven't met my cats, then. My cats will follow me from room to room. They want to be like sitting on my lap in between. Like, I I have a hard time getting work done sometimes because yeah. Sherlock or Billy will climb into my lap and just like lay on the table in front of my keyboard, mm-hmm. and I'm just like. They're every bit as affectionate as any dog I've ever been around. More so in some ways because they're smaller, <laughs> right? And and I love how they're they're less prone to make a mess. I mean, not that they can't. Oh but sure, they, but they're less prone. Um, and they're way less demanding. Like it is a different kind of affection. So, anyway, I want to talk about uh, campaign planning because well, I, I do a lot of campaign planning, so that's what's in my brain. Most of the time. Fair. It's pictures of corgis and, and the antics of your cats and cute stories about your children and campaign planning. Yeah, that's, I, you, you've pretty much nailed it, right? That and I make myself kind of a fancy coffee drink every morning. 
I've, I have dramatically cut down on my Starbucks runs Ooh. And, and I've been making my own things at home. So um, I've enjoyed that. That's a little little Zen meditation with a tasty treat at the end. Fancy. Like a good little millennial, I make myself uh, coffee, lattes. Uh, I make myself avocado toast, you know? Good for you. Good for I you. Push back, push back against those people who say we shouldn't have it. <laughs> I'm like, I, I am what I am. <laughs> That's I all am that what I am. I am, and I love what I am. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so... Yeah, so much. Or there is a really fine line. I've talked about burnout before, and it is so easy to feel like you almost have to push all the time, mm-hmm. and and you know it's going to lead to burnout. You can feel it clawing at the edge of your periphery, you know. Um, and so after I ran Westgate last week, I basically forced myself to do. Nothing for like a whole week, right? I was just like, this is prep in that I need to decompress because I had gone hardcore to get that uh, campaign set up and it wasn't even as finished as I wanted it to be. I could tell you'd gone hardcore. Those maps were really amazing and just like it, it was it was a fantastic starter episode and I'm glad that you took some time to decompress, clear the brain, clean off the canvas and uh, to, to get back to it without killing yourself. Uh, well, absolutely. Because uh, like it was fun, it was fulfilling, but I could tell if I had pushed it much further, mm-hmm. it was I was going to start having problems. So, you know, you, you take those step backs, you enjoy your pets, <laughs> right? You enjoy your children. You play some video games, you watch some, by the way, uh, Loki season two, not bad. Okay. It's been pretty good. Like, I've been like, okay, Marvel, are you? Are we coming back? We got something here? Or is this just Tom Hiddleston? I mean, <laughs> Tom, Tom Hiddleston <laughs> elevates everything that he's in. Let's be True. honest here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, one of my favorite Tom Hiddleston roles is uh, in one of the Tinkerbell movies. What? Yeah. He voices Captain Hook. For one of the, oh, of course he does. For one of the straight-to-DVD Tinkerbell movies. Uh, okay. I forget which one it's called, but I used to watch them all the time because I have daughters. Yep. Um, oh, speaking of daughters, I'm sorry, I cannot stay on track. This I, we, Halloween. We, we, are, we are following the, the, uh, the, the desires of where your brain is going right now that is very in line with today's topic. Go on. You're so generous for coming along on this stream of consciousness with me. <laughs> I Just the... The ADHD-ridden chaos that's happening. Uh, but anyway, Halloween. this Halloween, this Halloween, we're going as the Bluey family. Yes! All right, so I'm going to be Bandit. My <laughs> wife is Chili, uh, and our girls are, of course, Bluey and Bingo. Of course. And my son, I think, is a robot. So he's kind of doing his own oh, thing. Oh, is he Chatterbot? You can, you can oh, make we, him Chatterbot. We tried to do that, and he was like, no. <laughs> that's fair he was like i want nothing to do with this i'm like okay <laughs> but you were invited we wanted you to be a part of it but hey halloween's about kids not about me it's right? true so you want to be death robot while the rest of us are bluey that's fantastic you know no problem i love bluey that is one of the few perfect shows it really is uh that was something that that andrew recommended that i watch and i i kind of went yeah whatever yeah whatever but I got it confused with a different show. I thought he was talking about something else. Okay. And then when I finally saw it, I was like, oh, this is like very wholesome, but mm-hmm. it's not, but it's not sticky sweet. It's not, it's not preachy. It's just, yeah. it just exists in it's this life. lovely, yeah. It's, it's, it's life. It's life and it's curiosity and it's exploration and it's bad things happening and coming face to face with that. Yeah. And it's the perspective of the characters uh, to me feels very genuine. And like I saw an episode where a dad was the cool parent and he took the kids to the pool and didn't prepare anything because that's boring stuff. Mom's lame because she gets all the supplies together let's just go let's just go for it be spontaneous Mm -hmm. 
That's just such a classic dad move, right? And then, of course, the kids start having a miserable time. Sure. And they're going to call it early. Dad's flustered and frustrated. I was like, thank you, Cartoon Dad, for also being flustered and frustrated so that I don't feel like a monster all the time. Yeah. And then what happens? Mom shows up. She's got the basket of needed supplies that we all have a good time at the end. Just a great example. And th- and they're like 10 minutes long, if that. Yeah, they're little little short guys, and they they are good examples of like efficient storytelling. I think mm-hmm. it's also extremely refreshing with everything being so sort of dark and cynical these days. Um, like I was, I was scrolling through my TikTok and I saw like um, the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. There was like a scene that popped up, right? How, that was how, cool. How could you tell? It's all so darkly lit. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Well, it's sometimes lit by Superman's eye beams, which he's always firing angrily in a very <sighs> not Superman kind of way. Um, and then there was um, Steppenwolf's shiny armor that reflects it. So that's that's helpful. Okay. But I was like, this is a neat scene, right? Like, it's it, it, it's uh, fun, cool, action-y stuff but it doesn't i don't feel anything yeah right i was like ugh, and it's just so everyone's doing this right and so it's lame you when you have someone who's just like ah once upon a time there was a family of dogs and they uh liked each other why does that sound so amazing to me right now? <laughs> right well i mean uh the original adams family uh, television show was all about this weird kooky family who loved each other fiercely. Oh yeah, and that was considered weird because the husband and wife shocker liked each other, <laughs> were desperately in love with each other. Oh, I love their relationship. Right, that's that is that is goals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my my relationship with my wife is similar. Where I, I chase her around like Gomez, and then uh, she's like. Ah, I'm trying to get things done. Get off me, <laughs> you, you filthy animal. And I was like, I love it when you speak French. You know, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So all of the, this, all of this chaotic train of thought, I think, helps add to the idea of um, taking a break from a lot of the the grind. I think that grinding is very important when it comes to uh, RPG game preparation. That's my personal feeling. A lot of people would disagree. I mean, Slight Flourish's whole idea is like, don't grind, pretty much. Um, but I do believe, especially when you're in a online setting, to kind of create as much novelty and interest as possible. Um, and then uh, particularly when it comes to the patrons, Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like they're paying my rent, but like they are paying. And so I feel like I want to deliver. Sure. I, I, I completely understand that. That's why I grind and push to get the podcast out uh, as regularly as it is. And that is a grind. That is work. That is something. And again, like you said, it's not exactly paying my bills, but folks are are paying for this. They are. And even in a spiritual sense, I just appreciate that. I appreciate that people show up and go, I want to do this. It's worth it to me, Mm -hmm. you know? Because it's not just like the 20 bucks a month, but it's also the, you know, three to four hours a week or every other week, you know? And and even for the people who aren't in the the, the game, like time is still a valuable commodity. Uh, Folks who aren't part of our Patreon, you still give us an hour a week to listen to this, and I do not take that lightly. That time is very valuable. I know how important an hour a week is. Oh, yes, you do. I mean, I don't know. You wear a lot of hats. I wear a lot of hats, but not compared to how many hats you wear. Like, how do you collect all these hats? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know the right people, and you happen to mention, hey, I think that this would be interesting. Yeah. And it does turn out to be interesting. And then, you know, I, I collect another hat that I spin on my finger periodically. I, I think that's so true. Um, but thank you for all of your hat wearing. And let, thank you for letting us be also one of your hats, right? Uh, it's deeply appreciated. Uh, but yeah, 
you, in order to make something special, you got to work, right? Exactly. You got to work. And uh, even if you take the like less serious approach and like the more like the quote unquote lazy GM approach, it's still backed up by lots and lots of experience having done it. Yeah, it's the reps. It's the reps. So then your ability to do improvisation is just that much stronger. And because, I mean, there's a big difference between like no GM preparation and like loose note GM preparation, which Slay Flourish does encourage. Yeah. And so story wise, you kind of have to do that. Right. But there has to be, you know, if, if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, there's got to be a dungeon and there's got to be a dragon. Yes. It's and right there in the name. It's right there in the name. Now, it doesn't have to be literally an underground prison. Okay. It could be a mine. It could be a forest. It is place where adventure happens. And then it doesn't have to be a dragon, but there ought to be at least one dragon somewhere. But it could be a Rakshasa. It can be a beholder. It can be uh, a demon. It can be some human that got super ambitious, you know. Uh, there's there's got to be a dragon, quote unquote, to defeat. And every RPG out there, I think, has its. If you're having this ex- experience, it must do the following, right? You you play more uh, varied RPGs than I play. Yeah. Um. So when it comes to something like Call of Cthulhu, what would you say are like? Thou shalt have this. Um. So for Call of Cthulhu, like the overall tone of it is not you are someone special. The big overarching tone of Call of Cthulhu is you are an ordinary person put into extraordinary circumstances. Mm-hmm. And those extraordinary circumstances can be you fell into the midst of a cult or uh, you wandered into Innsmouth where there's a bunch of deep ones with all of that. This is very uh, emblematic of the H.P. Lovecraft story where it's the... The horror of the unknown. So mm-hmm. for a Call of Cthulhu game, there's going to be some action because like you're running away from things. But if you've gotten into a fight with something, uh, unless it's another human, you've probably already lost because yeah. combat is not a major function in there. I mean, there are combat skills. There's like brawling and different kinds of guns and things like that. But I would say that one of the thou shouts... Uh, would be Eldritch Horror or the Fear of the Unknown. Right. I'm here from my Cthulhu experience, so is there a Cthulhu? Yeah. Whether or not it's literally Cthulhu. In fact, so far it hasn't been Cthulhu, but it has been Nyarlathotep, and it has been various sun deities, and it has been like Dagon and things like that. I still have not run across Cthulhu. I, I'm waiting for that experience. I'm sure it'll oh. show. I'm, I'm sure it'll show up eventually. Well, I, I also hadn't fought Tiamat until very recently. Yeah, you've killed Tiamat twice. Technically, kind of four times, but th- there were there was time travel involved. It was weird. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that's quite a notch in your belt. I would. say. I'm pleased about that one. You you have killed Tiamat online and in person. Yep. Uh, by the way, I saw a picture of that table. That looked, oh man, that looked nutty. Do you want to talk a little bit about what was on that table? Sure. So, um, for those who don't know, um, I met Spike four ish years ago, four four and a half years ago. I met him at a Nord Games event, and he was already familiar with me because of, of uh, Quest and Chaos. But and I'd heard about him, but I hadn't met him before. And he invited me to join the Tyranny of Dragons campaign that he was running, which uh, he's in he's in the Santa Cruz area. I'm in Berkeley. So that was uh, a long drive every other oh, yeah. week. Yeah. But it was definitely one of those things where it's like one of the things that Spike is very good at as a GM is like building out the, the map and building out terrain um, and like having the set pieces that we get to move through, which is really fun. Yeah. So we had gotten to the point of that the end of Tyranny of Dragons, uh, where you go and you kill the Dragon Queen. Like this is what you've been building up to this whole time through the working through the cult of the dragon and all of that stuff. Yeah. And we start we like walked into this cavern and then like next week the world shut down because of the pandemic. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and we have several people who are immunocompromised or who work in close proximity with people. And we were just like, we we can't get together because we might die. Well, and also in like NorCal, like you're in close proximity with everybody. Yeah. Well, it's not that bad, but I mean, I could throw a rock across my side window and break my neighbor's window without having to try very hard. <laughs> well, let's say it's more dense than where I live. That's that's fair. <laughs> there are more people who want to live by the bay than want to live in the desert. True, true. I, I, <laughs> they don't know what they're missing. <laughs> you know, th- there, there's pros and cons to both, certainly. Um, but so we we had talked about trying to like do this fight online. Spike had sent up a bunch of cameras around this table, and I mean this this uh, this cavern where that where it was to take place. Like this was one of the big set pieces. It was this big. I want to say five or six sided like chamber with a summoning circle in the bottom and then a whole bunch of like big floating rocks that were different levels all over the place. Our fighter was very upset about this because she was the only one who wasn't able to fly or get up onto the rocks very quickly. Oh, annoying. Really, truly. Like it was one of those, you guys need a downtime because we were carrying like a hundred thousand gold pieces, but there was no time to like get a flying broom or a carpet or something to stick Sifa on and be like, there, go. Right. You had no one to, like, just dimension door her somewhere. I was the only magic user, and I was mostly focused on, like, healing spells and stuff like that because I was the Divine Soul Sorcerer, which right. yeah. I, I think sorcerers are some of the weakest magic users in the game, but we could talk about that another time. I'm fascinated by that idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so we... But I would tend we, to agree. We, we, we can talk about that another time, but I have I have thoughts <laughs> yeah. on it. Um, but so we we tried to, like, do this game remotely, and it was like, this isn't going to work. Like, Spike is going to have to move all of us around the place. There is no, like, cohesion of us all being in the same place. It's like, okay, we'll wait. We got together about a year-ish into the pandemic trying to, like, finish it. It's a big fight. We were not able to finish it that night. And oh, so yeah. we left it. And finally, finally, uh, we set it up so that we were all able to get together. Well, in the interim, uh, Rachel's character and my character, who are sisters, had been pulled into other games, including the one where I met you. Yes. Uh, to, like, wrap up the two big campaigns that he was doing. And then he also brought the two sisters in to help provide backup as, mm-hmm. you know, the sorcerer and the rogue. And it was like a 12 person thing. Yeah. And we did like three separate storylines for various things. And over the course of this, Annika and Ura leveled up to 18 by the end of that. We'd started at 15 when we were yanked out of the Tiamat fight. So I asked Spike, do we get to keep our levels? Because I was like, I- if I need to do level her, I will, but I would really prefer to stay at 18. Yeah, and he was like, he was like, yes, and there's going to be a story behind it. So all of this to say, the table that we walked into had that massive chamber on one side, surrounded by cotton batting to suggest like clouds or a dream or something. Right, right, right. But the other half of the table were two parts of like a village because we started with Annika and Ura showing up at uh, New Greenest. 13 years after we after we lost the fight to Tiamat. Oh. And for us, it had basically been 210-day. Oh, okay. Because we were in the Sea of Time all that time, but we basically crash-landed and showed up and were like, what is going on? Why don't, why don't you remember us? Or why are your memories so fuzzy? Like, what is going on? We worked out that there was, you know... The cult was drugging people and, again, getting them to live in their happy little corners away from the problems. Because, you know, they were still two 15-level adventurers. So you want to keep them controlled if you're not going to kill them. Uh, so that, you know, Anika and Nura showed up and went, we need to get out of here. Let's go. Because Ark and the Cruel is about to show up. Oh, there he is. Cool. So, and it, it turned into a really, it turned into a really interesting thing where, where we had to like go back in time to that moment, that, that convergence. Yeah. Um, so there was a portal back 13 years that was being held open by Annika and Ura's mother, 
Um, (laughs) Sifa and Lillian went through first because Annika was helping hold it open because she's the only other magic user. And then that timelines Tiamat showed up on that side. Yeah. And Ura refused to go through because she wouldn't leave her mother behind with all of that. So we wound up fighting Tiamat on that side. They were fighting the other Tiamat on the other side, but because the portal was being held open, damage and healing from one to the other went back and forth. So it was effectively one Tiamat with like 700 HP health pool. It was, it was, it was weird. It was interesting. And then we finally killed her, grab or run through, and then Tiamat shows up with, uh, like, what you did with Ares, where he, where he came back with that, like, hellfire thing. Right, right, right. Like, phase two. Yeah, basically. Yeah, uh, so... Sorry, that was a long rambling diatribe. <laughs> I'm like, so what did the table look like? Well, let me tell you the whole thing. Well, because, because the, 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 the way that the table was set up was, was because of all of this. Was very driven by the story. Exactly. And, like, and there the would have, yeah. it wouldn't have looked the way that it did if there hadn't been all of this other stuff going on because I was fully expected to show up and just, like, get back into the fight. And that was not what happened. There was a whole story built around it, which I actually really appreciate. Yeah. No, I mean, that's amazing. I thought that when I looked at that table, I was like, whoa, you know. That's kind of what I'm talking about when it comes to the grind, you know, like putting in that level of like uh, love, frankly, Mm -hmm. you know, into your work and trying to make something that is going to be really memorable for your players. And it and it sounds like it did just that. Exactly. And it's something that, you know, I took video of it. I'll drop the video in the discord for folks to see because I think it turned out really well and it really it really informed what was going on, this sense of displacement because there was the chamber on one side that we all remembered, but also this happy little village right next to it. And we're just like gears grinding in our brain to just be like, what is going on? It creates a nice dichotomy in, in contrast between themes. But it's also, it would seem to me to be kind of a- indicative of, of what we're here for, right? We're, we're, if you could capture D&D in a snapshot, it is defending village versus evil, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and uh, I think that that's pretty cool. It was pretty cool. And it had uh, been shaped by the fact that uh, Rachel and I didn't want to de-level our characters. And so Spike took the cue from two of his players and changed his plans. Mm -hmm. So I want to point out in that big group game, I was not level 18. (laughs) I wasn't level 18 at the beginning. I was level 15. But it doesn't. And then kept doing things. uh, Right. That makes sense. But I was also a paladin, so. It's, hard, it's hardly a comparison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, pal- yeah, paladins are way better than sorcerers. It's just fight me. They're they're pretty much the best class in terms of like, do you want to do damage? Yeah, and not die. Pretty good. Hard 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 to top the paladin. Pretty pretty sturdy. Yeah, but the, what their their life is pretty straightforward though. It's just hit hit big. <laughs> Hit big, no die. That's that's the paladin mantra. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's that's super cool. So we put a lot of love and passion into these things to to create it. But then we also got to dial back, right? Yes. So once once we've done all of it, we have to take a breath. Even if you're excited for the next thing, even if you're like, I want to add this, I want to add that, I want to add this, like. Honestly, especially if you're excited for the next thing, because you want to get there without running yourself into the ground and then coming to hate it. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, so I, I guess we ended up talking a little bit more about burnout than <laughs> than campaign planning. But I'll, I'll try this. That was our original idea was to talk more about like campaign planning. But um, I guess I can add this, uh, which is my current approach with Westgate is to have some very loose notes on plot points that exist. I I know kind of who my bat, big bad is. I know what they did wrong and all that good stuff. But um, I'm not trying to make that everything. Mm. Right. Whereas that was much more omnipresent with Wrath of the Scorned. With this game, I really want the players to feel like they are driving their story and that they are indispensable to the plot, right? That they are, there's nothing there without them. And I think that 
Um, one mistake I would run into, and I think that probably a lot of GMs do, is sort of attacking campaign planning like you're a printer, uh, which is to say I am creating everything in detail as I go, right? And there is a straight line between, you know, here and there. Not that a linear campaign's bad, but if there is a linear, linear like, order of operations that must happen, then your players do become more, like, more people at a theme park ride yeah. than people that are, like, writing a story with you. And so instead of attacking it like a printer, um, you're, you need to think of it more like a drawing or a sculpture or a painting, where what you're doing is blocking out shapes and and uh, impressions and, and color schemes. And then you're adding and building and adding and building and adding and building until it starts to, oh, I see it now. I'm starting to, to see those details. And uh, which is not to say build a whole world and then then add detail to it. That's not really what I mean. What I mean is have a loose collection of story things happening, but then you really can't have a a good plot that is going to use your characters until you have those characters. Yeah. And even when those characters give you your back, their backstories, no matter how detailed they are, it's not going to be enough because you never really know who your character is as a player until you start playing them. Yeah. And how you begin, even with with or without a, a good character arc, which there should be, and we have different ideas about that, a uh, different episode about that, you know, you still need to, uh, there's still going to be a difference when you're in that driver's seat. And when you're like, okay, that was really fun, but my plan for a character was based on basically a moment, and that moment happened. And now what? And now what? Right? Or it was based on a combat gimmick. I expressed it once. And now, uh, what's my motivation? (laughs) And you can't even pull the actor line of because you're getting paid. Because you're getting paid, right? Yeah. It's definitely not what's happening. So, (laughs) usually, in fact, the opposite. In fact, yeah. So, I guess, um, was, has there been a campaign where you, felt that your character was maybe not the star of the show, but certainly a star of the show and, and certainly was indispensable almost to the, to the storyline. I think that Caladre became that mm-hmm. as more of the shape of the story of blood and thunder as the shape of the end story came into focus. Um, because it, it then the story then became about this fight, this, you know, millennia long struggle between the champion and the queen of air and darkness. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it felt like Keladry was basically indispensable. I wouldn't say that was the case beforehand, or at least no more indispensable than anyone else. Right. No, I would I would definitely say and and I say this like as my character became a god. Yeah. But I still would say he was not the main character as much as Kelladry was. Yeah. Like, it was really her story. And uh, I was Alistair. (laughs) (laughs) I was the love interest. Uh, But the love interest, he became a god. So, you know. I don't mind it. I mean, (laughs) I'm super happy about it. Like, I don't. I want to be an important character, even if I feel like a supporting cast member, mm-hmm. as long as like I get to play, you know, and as long as I get to do my supporting cast member stuff, because usually the supporting cast have some of the most interesting characters there are, right? And so I, don't, I really don't mind, you know, seeing someone turn out to be more of a protagonist than me. That's fine. Um, but I think that's different from saying I... Choose this player to be the protagonist. Yeah. From the start of the game. And this person is Goku and everyone else is Krillin. Right? <laughs> like that's, 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 and it wasn't that. No. It wasn't that. So 
Well, and that, and that story did very much like shift and change as we were telling it and as we were playing it, because like we came in with one idea of what was going on, and then you know, over the course of like almost two and a half years of playing it, uh, it shifted, it changed, and uh, it didn't end where I thought it was going to. I thought we were going to you know storm the Fey Wild and fight Baba Yaga and all that. It sounds like that's the setup for whatever comes next, but. And it might have gone that way. It might have. Had we had we made different decisions, perhaps I don't know. And probably, but as it as it stood, it turned out to be about this ongoing fight between the Queen of Air and Darkness and the Champion, and Keladri was a iteration of the Champion who broke the wheel. Mm-hmm. And and I love those kinds of stories. I love the kinds of stories where it where it's like, okay, you know, this has happened over and over and over again. What changes? How do you change it? Because we're all trapped. So how do you deal with that? I would say one through line with a lot of the characters that I've seen you play is been rebelliousness, right? Like you are the rebel. Um, you you like to topple the power structure. What's so interesting to me is that I see that, I, and I and I agree with that. Like there's always a, the you know the the short redheaded angry one who pushes back <laughs> against things. That is that is such a, a character archetype of mine that when uh, art was being done for my Call of Cthulhu character, um, just based on a passing comment, Alondra got it almost perfectly correct. Oh, really? Yep. Short, redheaded, lanky male. <laughs> That's great. And I was like, yep, I may have a type. Uh, but, I, <laughs> but for me, I think the bigger through line, at least for Keladry, and I think a lot of my characters that I play is, who am I? Hmm. And that started, I mean, almost immediately for Keladry, at least, where, you know, she was Keladry Wyvern because she was a priest with with the with the church and that then took on the name of that particular uh, constellation that they were devoted to. And then she found out that she was Keladry Elvaranya, and then she found out all of these other things about herself. And it was a constant question of who am I? And I think that that's a, a strong through line for myself, because, I mean, I... <laughs> Uh, I went from being a, you know, straight, cishet, uh, Christian girl to being a non-binary, gender-fluid, pansexual, uh, liberal who kicks up bad power structures. Like, you know me now. You You could have just said liberal. (laughs) (laughs) Teasing, teasing. teasing. Berkeley liberal at that. Right, 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 right. Exactly. (laughs) But if you, you, you know me now, if you had met me 16 years ago, you would not recognize me at oh, all. Oh, sure. Sure. Um, I was, but I was still that tiny ball of rage. And so, you know, the question of identity and also the question of, you know, do these power structures serve people has been a, a strong through line for my life. And I guess that comes out in my characters. I think the only thing that is the same about me now than I was 20 years ago was liking women. I think that's the only thing that's the <laughs> that's same. That's fair. You know, because I grew up, uh, you know, hardcore Mormon, mm-hmm. and I lived the hardcore Mormon life, and I did all of the the things. Uh, and let's just say I'm not doing that now. <laughs> yeah, oh, that is, a, that is a fair description, a fair assessment. <laughs> fair assessment. Um, oh, we... Yeah, so I see the interest in in how you personally relate to that who am I question. I think that players tend to approach D&D from two angles, one being who am I and the other one being what can I do? Mm -hmm. What cool things do do I have? And you're good at both, frankly, right? I I, I enjoy both. Which is why you pick busted stuff like Twilight Cleric. <laughs> Honest to God, hand, hand on the Bible. The biggest reason that I chose Twilight Cleric was because of the flavor text in Tasha's. Yeah, but you just said, see, I don't know if hand on the Bible means anything to you now. <laughs> hand on the player's handbook then. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, all right. All right, I'll back up. All right, like, you got me. The big reason that I picked it was was because there was a little flavor text blurb next to Twilight Cleric that said, yeah, I could totally get behind the idea of, of, uh, of a religion that's all about swatted about in evening wear. <laughs> that was basically almost exactly what Tasha said in that particular little uh, blurb. And I was like, that's so funny. I love that. 
Which is why, because it made me laugh. And then I looked deeper into it and went, oh, no, this is good. <laughs> this is quite good. Do do forge clerics get martial weapon proficiency? No. Uh, but do twilight clerics? They sure do, fam. And 300 feet of dark vision. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That, that was a fun one to uh, adapt to because I was basically like, Spike, you can just turn off the darkness for me. I can see the whole map, unless it's like <laughs> hidden behind something. Like a wall, right? Yeah, yeah, a wall's <laughs> fine, yeah. Uh, yeah, was that at least something you had to turn on, though? Like the 300 foot, or did you just have to nope. turn on the thing that shared it? Yeah, just had to, I just had to turn on Eyes of Night, which was the, Gosh, the, the sharing. so stupid. <laughs> it's so broken. I mean, you keep, like, why even pick, like, Dwergar or... Or drow anymore, right? Well, but I, I will push back on that. There are plenty of ways to defeat uh, dark vision. For example, if something is like color coded, you can't see in in you can't see color with dark vision. So if there's a trap that's like coded to a color thing, you can't see that. Mm-hmm. Um, your perception is down, even if even if, if you can see that far. Like if you're really like playing by raw, uh, your active perception is down by like five or something. Right. Um. And there are things like the, the the Gloomstalker that if someone is relying on dark vision to see you, they can't. Oh gosh, I hate that. Yeah, uh, that like that. That's what makes Gloomstalker <laughs> so broken in that area. It's so of busted. Things. So, it's so busted. There are lots of ways to defeat dark vision. Um, I just happen to really enjoy being able to see in the dark. Also, thing being hard to see in the dark comes up a lot more often than this puzzle was color coded. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's fair. But if you are a GM and you know that that uh, one of your players has taken something like Drow or like Twilight right. Cleric where they can see a long way in the dark, yeah. uh maybe consider doing something like that. Maybe sure. have one of the enemies be a friggin' uh Gloomstalker ro- Ranger. So I, I just want to sit down with them and be like, okay, but why three hundred feet? Right. Why why was one twenty not good enough? Not good enough. I wanna know that. You know? Yeah. I don't I, you know, it would be one thing if that was like, here's the one thing you get, right? Because that is so godlike. That is so strong. And that but then like martial weapon, heavy armor. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That that's the one that doesn't make any sense to me personally. Um, yeah. And and there are plenty there are plenty of um, there are plenty of cleric subclasses that get that extra damage die at level eight. Yeah. So so that's not just uh, Twilight cleric, but it definitely means a lot more when uh, when you can wield the big heavy sword and basically be the tank. That was that was such a funny mental image to me too, where it's like <laughs> six foot two croc. And five foot nothing Keladri are the frontliners. Yep, it's it's Napa and Vegeta standing <laughs> next to each other. Um, yeah, and then there's my skinny butt in the back. <laughs> hey guys, good job, guys. <laughs> <laughs> guys, doing great. The tall skinny leader in the back. <laughs> yeah, go go do the. Yeah, he was gonna do it anyway. What, whatever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But now he can do it better because of inspiring leader. He could do betterer. Betterer. Yes. Yeah. So I loved inspiring leader. That was such a that's a such an overlooked feat. I think it's so good. I think it's, it, it's great. If it just gave you like a one point stat boost, I think it would be super great. Oh yeah, uh, I, I I actually am expecting one of my players to take that in the near future for Fendelver and Below, and I have in fact referenced Peacock Talks on uh, Fendelver and Below. <laughs> so the, the 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 legacy of Roland lives on in the Peacock Talk. I, I can remember when Rachel said was was telling everybody what bird they were, and then she said, "Well, well what's Roland?" And she goes, "A peacock," and everyone just laughed really hard, and I was like. You guys are laughing too hard, you know? <laughs> are you? What are you trying to say? You know, we were not. That was not incorrect. Because it like, was just I, insanely accurate. Because <laughs> I, th- I think she characterized Keladri as a nightingale, which I can kind of say. Yeah, of course, that would like, made sense. Small, small, kind of plain, but with an absolutely gorgeous song. Uh huh. Yeah, and I think we settled on Croc being a heron. Yep. 
big beak kill thing. Stab. Stab. <laughs> All right. Uh, by the way, if you've never played the game Wingspan, highly recommend. It's a board game, but it, you can also play it on Steam. Okay. And it's like, do you want to listen to soft music and think about birds? Uh, this is a great game. Um, you just collect birds and put eggs on them and get points. That's it. That's the whole game. And uh, that sounds uh, really peaceful. I love it. I love it. It's just nice violin music. It's a little tweets every now and then. Every now and then they they tell you a scientific fact about a bird. Ah, that's great. You know, <laughs> it sounds so lame when I explain it, but I love that. You know, uh, there there are a lot of games that I like or like the idea of that. Uh, you know, sound lame when when you when you put it like that. Like, there's a video game that I want to play called Unpacking. Yeah, that's all about you know this per- this one person is moving from like her little bedroom as a child yeah. to going to university and in her dorm room to her first apartment to a house to a smaller house and like your job is to unpack things and figure out where they go. Yeah. And simple, there's, sometimes it's a simple challenge. It's nice. And there's and there's a whole story in like what things go from place to place and what's missing and what shows up uh, as things go on and it's great. I love it. And the music's fantastic. So another good way to get some inspiration out there, right, to chill out and get ready for the next bout of grinding uh, to make something special. So, Tiana, I wish you luck in naming this episode. I have, <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, this, the, one, this one kind of turned into the, the rabbit trail of conversations. Yeah, it really did. So if you wanted to get to know how our brains work, hopefully this was helpful. <laughs> but I, maybe there was a sound bite here and there that was useful. I don't know. Well, but I, I would argue that like the, at the core of this one is dealing with burnout and preventing burnout to an mm-hmm. extent. And some of that is, you know, find your joy. Find the, the, the moments that you're working towards, like the big fight that, that Spike put together for us. But also... Watch Bluey if you want to. Enjoy <laughs> enjoy the little silly, simple things like Wingspan. Um, hustle culture has taught us in, in America that, you know, if you're not producing, then you're useless. Right. And true rebellion is saying, no, I'm going to take this time and deliberately rest and relax and enjoy something for myself. So, uh for us this week, that was an hour of you listening to us ramble and just hang out, you know, two buds talking about stuff. Spoken like a true phantom thief. <laughs> At your service. The spirit of rebellion is me <laughs> taking a vacation. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta do the thing. It's important. Like, I mean, one, you, you, you joke, but like the core of that game, a lot of that game's gameplay, yeah, there's the grind where you're in mementos or you're running through the palaces, but so much of it is what's referred to as a life simulator where you're, you're eating ramen and you're talking to people and you're, you know, tinkering around and making things at your desk and you're studying and you're building up who you are as a person to make you better at the thing that you want to do. The true grind is getting your knowledge up high enough to date Makoto. That's, the truth. That's what it's all about. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to going back into New Game Plus. All of my stats are at full, so I can just like focus on the confidants, and I'm very excited. Yes, yes, that's uh, really satisfying. So you get to be the Uber Chad just yeah. day one. Just walk in like, yes, I'm going to dodge this eraser that you're throwing at me, and I'm going to be <laughs> at the top of the class the whole time, and yeah. ev- everyone's going to be afraid of me and think I'm super cool at the same time. <laughs> I'm going full Mary Sue, guys. <laughs> it's going to be great. Hey, listen, on a second playthrough, do whatever you want. I actually did that same thing once. Mm-hmm. Um and I still managed to miss one of the confidants no. getting maxed out. I was so bummed out. Uh, but as uh, I would say to my League of Legends players, skill issue. So, <laughs> alrighty. Well, 
Uh, in the spirit of uh, phantom thieves, let us now make our escape from the palace of this conversation. <laughs> and it was a windy and twisty palace at that. Thank you all so much for joining us for this random uh, conversation. Uh, do note that we are off next week because next week is Thanksgiving and we have elected to take the time to take care of ourselves and spend time with our families. But we will be back the week afterwards. So uh, join us then when we return. And uh, until next time, stay inspired. Gobble, gobble. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Inspiration Point. If you'd like to support what we do, go and check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash inspiration point. If you can't support us directly, that's okay. You can also help support us by telling people about the podcast. A little inspiration goes a long way. Inspiration Point is edited and produced by Tiana Hansen and is distributed by Quest and Chaos. If you like what you hear with us, give Quest and Chaos YouTube or Twitch channels a visit. They play Dungeons and Dragons on a weekly basis and have a bunch of campaigns of Call of Cthulhu, D&D, and board game playthroughs archived on their YouTube. Join us next week for more inspiration. Thank you.